Oh, the headlines. You, I, I love looking at the headlines because some of them I can't make up myself. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. This one only pops up to me. I only saw this. Massachusetts dad accidentally stabs himself to death while wearing knife around his neck. Quotation marks. Horrible tragedy. End quotation marks. I'm trying to fathom how that would actually happen because I've actually worn a neck knife. But that's all beside the point. <laughs> all beside the point. I'm still trying to figure out how that's possible. You'd have to. Be, it would have to be to where the blade was pointing down at you, and it would have to be out of a scabbard. Which uh, I, I do a, a great many things that most people would consider to be foolhardy in a, on a daily basis. But I don't do nothing like that ever, ever. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the, the, the the closest thing I come to that is maybe with a steak knife when I'm eating because I tend to get sort of exuberant during that time. That's beside, but all that's beside the point. We, uh, America at the moment, because we all think the government's actually in charge, right? They, they're, they're taking us on a, uh, a downward elevator ride to hell that is reminiscent of what happened to Rome. Now, for four centuries, the Roman, uh, that's a pretty good run. For four centuries, the Roman Senate managed to uh, sustain their republic through various challenges. And in the end, it was due to a barbaric invasion, like our open border, political corruption, like just about everybody in government, and the mobs that were manipulated and used by its Caesars. There, there was a rampage against reason and freedom, and that led to the demise of the Roman Empire. Now, what do we have here? We have massive corruption of the elites inside and out. We have the loss of confidence in the U.S. election process, the erosion of privacy and property rights and freedom, the Biden administration's deliberate open border policy, the politicization of the judiciary, the atomization of the American society and deterioration of family, uncontrollable government, you know, spread like a virus. In the last 30 years, the United Nations, the new, uh, new world order organizations like the World Economic Forum, they've all legitimized replacement migration policy. And that's a real thing. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a conspiracy theory or anything. That's what I'm trying to do. Of course, it's not working out the way they wanted it to, but that's also beside the point. Islam is on a path to becoming ascendant over Christianity in Europe in the near future because of their... Uh, Open, open borders there as well. And pretty soon in Ger Germany and France, you'll have Sharia law. Another thing they want to do is uh, embrace global governance. They want to become like Starfleet, where we have one central controlling agency out there. And uh, in the interim, while they're wanting to have this central thing, what they've been trying to do to destabilize everything is push out stuff like CRT and DEI and a, B, C, D, E, F, G, and all these other things. Climate change, of course, that's 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 a thing. Climate change is not actually a, a well, it, it's a thing, but it's a thing that's been happening forever, and it's going to happen forever on for the rest of our for the rest of time. 
but they think that if you get out there and moderate a benign gas like CO2, you uh, can then do away with things that are tried and true and go to the go to the unicorn technology, which hasn't really been uh, – even the things like the nitrogen-based energy and nuclear power, they don't want to embrace that even though that's clean because, wow, we don't get to control that. And now we have the ascendancy of uh, artificial intelligence. And along with that, we have the most uh, nefarious of things, the central bank digital currency. Now, whenever I look at anything where they want it to be electric or digital, my first thought is these things can be controlled remotely. Anything that is digital that has any means of communication outside of itself can be manipulated remotely. And the CBDC. The CBDC would be like, okay, so you're a millionaire with CBDCs. You have a million CBDCs. And at the drop of a hat, a government could decide that you have not met your social credit score that you, you know, that has been artificially imposed upon you and just decide to, to, to diminish that or just take it all. One minute you're doing good, the next minute, well, you're wondering about where the power bill money is going to come from. And this kind of thing would lead to, you know, it, it, lead to, it would lead to a demolition man kind of world where you had the underground part of the world uh, that were actually living the old tried ways, and you had the people upstairs living the unicorn fantasy ways. Right now, uh, they have developed CBDCs in China, India, Brazil, Nigeria, Jamaica, Singapore, the Eastern Caribbean Central Bank, and the Bahamas. And the United States, along with 100 other countries, are trying to develop CBDCs. Now, I like the fact that they have digital records. The fact that they can still pull up my military records from when I left the service 33 years ago is astounding when you consider just how many people have been in the military since 1990. And I, I, I like that kind of I like that kind of digitization, but um, I don't think they should have anything to do with the currency at all. They can mint it. They can you know, we need to be backing it with something other than the full faith and credit of the United States government, because quite honestly, that one is that that that's like one of those tires that has no tread on it anymore. But anytime I see them wanting to do something like that, with a car, for example, with a car, if we all went to electric cars, all electric cars have to be on the web and have to be online with the manufacturer in order for the firmware updates to occur and for it to monitor the health of the of the vehicle and stuff such as that. Now you notice that you won't find Smitty's Tesla repair anywhere on any corner in, in the broadcast area because nobody does that. Nobody fixes those except the manufacturer. Now, with Tesla right now, uh, you know, and I don't blame him, uh, Elon Musk is going to make billions of dollars with Tesla because of all these subsidies. He's, he's, he's living off of the government. He gets it. He understands it. He's looking at the free money saying, why not? That's how you become a billionaire. You do it with somebody else's money. So he's, he's more than willing to do this. But as far as what he's developed and everything else, the, the actual technology behind it is uh, sus. 
It's suspect. It's very expensive to run the things. You and I are paying for them regardless, right? So we're going to uh, we're going to have to uh, address this at some point. This is going to take a degree of activism that I've never seen. That I can't really imagine how this works. This would basically, if if they push us to this, we're going to have to seriously look at them and say. No, and then we're going to have to besiege them and simply tell them, and we're going to have to do it on every level of government. Any level of government that tries to enact this, we got to stop it, whether it's the county council or the U.S. Senate, U.S. House, and the executive branch. We're going to have to besiege them. I mean, like, encircle them physically and say no. Cut off everything they've got coming to them and say no. And believe me, nobody's going to interrupt that. Nobody's going to interrupt that in the face of that. But, you know, I don't know how that would work. Would we do it? Do we have that kind of a wherewithal to look at that and say, no, this is enough. You've gone too far now. We're going back to the old ways. Something to consider. The firewall that we need to put between us and the government doesn't exist. But in, in a digital language, it is something that maybe they would understand. I don't know. But I don't intend to ever take a knee to the New World Order or any sort of globalist control or any sort of centralized. We, we've gone about as far as I'm willing to go. It is 2A Tuesday. And I'm going to tell you what, what it look, you know, the bad idea of letting government limit you in any way, what that would look like. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. If it's 2A Tuesday, that means we have to attack the efficacy of the polls. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Uh, there are polls taken in various places that are all agenda-driven that to try to draw this idea that America favors magazine capacity limits. Now, what they want to do is they want to say they, they picked an arbitrary number, 10. 10 is the arbitrary number. No one needs more than 10 rounds to stop an intruder or shoot a deer. The only problem is they say, so therefore it does not affect your Second Amendment rights. Second Amendment rights have nothing to do with shooting deer or intruders. Second Amendment rights have everything to do with shooting a tyrannical government. That's it. That's what it was meant to do. It's not controversial to say that. A magazine cap, which we've been under before. We, 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 that was part of the whole assault weapon ban we went through in the 90s. Um, a magazine cap stops nobody. Elliot Rogers, who was the uh, Isla Vista shooter, got out there and he bought three guns. He went through all the things he had to do to buy three guns in California, which he would buy a gun. He'd wait 10 days to pick it up. Then he would have to take a safety class and all this other stuff. Then he'd have to wait 30 days to buy the next gun. He, did, he went through all of that three different times, and then he bought 41 10-round magazines. So he had 410 rounds 
loaded in magazines on tap, ready to go. And when you hear somebody getting out there saying they had 5,000 rounds of ammunition, loose ammunition means nothing. It's just weight. Unless it's in a magazine, it is not really much of nothing. So since no one needs more than 10 rounds to kill a deer or two, and the only reason you would need more is to murder innocent citizens, well, they should be outlawed then. The only problem is it ignores one thing about the reason that most of us have switched from the venerable revolver wheel gun type configuration to the semi-automatic configuration, which is the fast, rapid reload. So if I have to carry four 10-round magazines to have the same amount as I would in three 17-round magazines or, you know, four or five of those 10-rounders, that's no big deal because I can still make that magazine change really quick. And people that practice that, it almost looks like sleight of hand. Only in Hollywood do people get shot with a 9mm round and fall down dead with one. Only. People, uh, there was a guy in uh, law, law enforcement in Pennsylvania. He, was, uh, he pulled over a felon without knowing it because the guy was in a stolen car. Pulls him over. The gunfight ensues. He's using a Glock 21, which is a 45 ACP. It has 13 rounds. He shoots the dude 18 times. And only on shot 19 does the felon stop, does he become deanimated. The only reason to shoot somebody is to deanimate them and stop them from what they have been doing. Sometimes that's going to take multiple rounds. That police officer now carries 147 rounds on him today, to this day, when he goes out on patrol. Here's the other thing. When you're in a gunfight, oftentimes you're going to miss. <laughs> Not all the rounds going down range are going to hit the bad guy. You're going to miss. Sometimes you have to, depending on how long of a gunfight it is, uh, like the 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 uh, North L.A. bank robbery shooting where you had the two guys that had tooled up and modified the AK-47s. Um, some of those guys, if they had thought to do it, they would have been wanting to lay down suppressive fire while more of their guys were moving up on them to try to get better shots at them. But they all had handguns, and these guys were all wearing body armor that defeats rifle rounds, so a handgun round is not going to do too much to it. But that's only going to, that's only because now nowadays you see most police officers, they're carrying more ammo than they used to, and they need to. They need to be carrying more. Trained police officers hit their targets under stress of a gunfight 18% of the time. That's two hits within 10-round magazine. This includes the superficial wounding. This is not the center mass hits that, you know, can and in of themselves be fatal. A study of 149 officer-involved shootings um, found that they fired an average of 2.4 rounds in a typical gunfight, struck the suspect less than once, 54% of the time. Half of the officers did not score a single hit when firing their handguns under this stress. It's, it's, it's an adrenaline dump you go into. The less time you have to think about it. This is one, another startling statistic is this. Um, in a self-defense shooting, 2% of the time civilians hit the wrong person, 12% of the time police hit the wrong person. This is because police get a call on a radio that says man with a gun. And they roll out and they get to think about, I'm going up on a man with a gun. 
and they start getting into this stress environment. And depending on how fast they get there, if they get there first or second, and they're just deploying and everything and taking fire, um, they're going to be uh, they're going to be uh, dealing with a lot of things that I don't have to deal with in the event that I, if my mind uh, digests that I've got to go to guns, I, I don't have time to go through all that stress. I'm just going to guns. Yes, sir. We got Mike from Inman. Mike from Inman, what can I do for you, sir? Good morning, Bill. Yes, Good sir. morning. Yes, sir. I just wanted to share with you a story that my brothers and I witnessed when we was in Las Vegas a couple of years ago. We went to the gun range that is also is shared by the sheriff's department out there for their training. The training officer, who was a sergeant with the sheriff's department, was teaching the new recruits how to fire their handguns. We watched this sergeant fire multiple magazines from his nine mil. And he didn't hit the target once. Well, Not once. Yeah. Well, see, the, the thing with the thing with police officers is poli- being a police officer means you've got to learn a lot of different things. It's not just the shooting part. And uh, how often you get to train with a gun and how much training ammo you get to do with it is all going to be based on budget. Yeah, but this was the training officer well, that missed. Yeah. <laughs> he he was probably he was probably more administrative than he was, uh, you know, the Punisher. But, I mean, yeah, not trying to make any – you know, if you're going to get up there and demonstrate, you ought to be able to show what you're talking about when you do. And I completely agree yeah. with you. But uh, the the thing the, – the fact of the matter is that there's more civilians that are a little more better at actual shooting than police officers are just simply because they're not dependent upon a budget and time. Yeah. Well, yeah, when I was in the Army, we had to do it every six months. We had at least – in 40 rounds yeah. down range. Yeah. And you had to hit 27 out of 40 to yeah. qualify. That's right. <laughs> and that, I mean, even that wasn't really training now, was it? It wasn't like uh, you were going out there and doing that every day. It it was nothing like it was when I was in Afghanistan. Yeah. And we only had 210 rounds, uh, yeah. seven magazines. You didn't carry any, you didn't carry any more in your uh, rucksack on that one? Uh, not only did I carry extra in my cargo box, uh, Cargo, my cargo pocket. I also carried three extra magazines with me. Also, there you go. So you were thinking, anyway. <laughs> Listen, yes, sir. Thank you for the call. Uh, I appreciate. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Here's the fact of the matter: the guns are designed to hold a magazine that holds X amount of rounds. Uh, the gun that I'm carrying right now, this second, is designed to hold 17, and I'm carrying two spare magazines that hold 21. And uh, once again. What does government do? Government's out there, and they always want to limit you on something. You can only have so much meat. You can only have this kind of a car. You can only live in this place. You can only have these things. You can only have this much ammunition. And we've seen how good governmental gun control works in Israel. We've seen how good it works in the Ukraine. We've seen how well it works in Britain. And in the end, when when this stuff hits the fan, you have two choices when the stuff hits the fan. You can be the stuff or you can be the fan. Now, I myself am the fan, which means there's going to be some splatter, but I'm going to be the one splattering it. And I'll live another day, and I'll go through all of the psychological and physiological things that happen when that happens, and I'll be alive to be consoled by my loved ones. Coming up next, if we get a hold of him, We're going to talk to Dave Workman from the Second Amendment Foundation. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.
I in the in the uh, in the gun advocacy, pro gun advocacy, there's a handful of really critically thinking, deep seated writers, and I know a few of them. And joining us now from Washington State is uh, one of them. He, uh, his name is Dave Workman. He is with the Second Amendment Foundation. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Bill. How are you? I, I'm doing good. Now I've been getting hit good. on the text line all morning, wanting me to talk about this Senate thing that they've been uh, having here. Here lately, because the Senate, the, thing? the Senate thing, the assault weapon ban consideration they're taking up in the Senate, and I know that you covered that, <laughs> their, their little hearing that they had, and I know all of the yeah. usual rhinos came trotting out, being tough guys. What have you, what are you seeing in this? What what did you see? Well, I think uh, the the hearing itself was uh, pretty much same old, same old. I mean, they trotted out the same witnesses with pretty much the same testimony. The senators got to say the same thing that they've been saying for years. And honestly, uh, I, I don't know that this is going to go anywhere beyond the Senate if it even goes uh, there, because you've got a House that's uh, run by the GOP. You've got the Senate with a very small majority, and an election year is coming up. And some of those guys are going to be up for re-election in states where a lot of voters have guns. So, you know, you you do the math and you kind of work through this a little bit. A lot of this stuff is for show. It's, it's designed, A, to appeal to uh, the core voters and, B, maybe convince some of the – and I, I'm just saying this – for lack of a better term, convince some of the rubes back home that you're really trying to do something right. uh, when you're really not. Uh, and I think, uh, uh, as I wrote the other day, um, uh, Ted Cruz from uh, Texas really summed this up, and he just uh, said how ridiculous it was, and he used a lot more uh, flashy words than I'm using right now, but uh, you know, he he really called it for what it is, just a, you know, another exercise in bloviating that uh, filled the air with words, and that's about it. Is this Has it become, for, for some of these, uh, you're talking about the same old witnesses, the same old talking points. Has this become a campaign talking point issue that they like to trot out in order to, to, to campaign on with an election year coming up? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we all know, at least those of us with functional gray matter, uh, people who write about this stuff like me, yeah. we know that the 24 or 25 million people in this country who own modern semi-automatic rifles, and that's just an estimate. Right. Uh, other people will guess quite a few more, but we know that uh, 99.99999% of those people will never, ever commit a crime with any of their firearms. We know that. The the handful of people who misuse firearms, whether they're a, a semi-automatic rifle or a handgun or a shotgun, they constitute a, a tiny fraction of people in this country who have firearms and they do all kinds of nasty things with those guns. I and mean, let's be upfront. Uh, when you shoot somebody in a, in a robbery 
at point blank range, you're going to leave a mess and uh, the high likelihood that your victim is going to die. On the other hand, uh, I think that uh, there is a not just a failure, but a refusal to acknowledge uh, by some of these gun control people that people with guns actually have an opportunity to fight back. And they frequently do fight back. I just got through writing a story about a a guy that uh, shot and killed a home invader down in uh, Granada Hills in Los Angeles. And I guarantee the last thing that that clown thought he was going to do when he broke through the door was get shot and die. By a homeowner. Uh, And and Yeah, by by the homeowner. And uh, I I was watching, I think it was Fox News, a guy named Greg Gutfeld. Uh, was on some program yesterday, and he he made this remark that really struck home with me because it does bear a lot of wisdom. He said, that shooting sent a message to the rest of that crew and to any other burglars, this is a neighborhood you want to avoid at all costs. Somebody here's got a gun. And my, my guess is that uh, this guy uh, who's good is probably in the police property room right now. Right. His neighbors have guns, too. So... You know, this is this is one of those things where there is a cause and effect. Uh, sure, somebody got killed. He set this thing up. He he made the play. He called the play. Right. Uh, the homeowner didn't invite him in. The guy broke the door in. He got shot, and killed, and that sends a message to the bad guys: your job choice has risks, has occupational <laughs> so, safety hazards. Yeah, well, yeah. there you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> do you uh, do you now? We we see a bunch of numbers that come out of the defensive gun use, and I, I I was tickled when the CDC came out with the three million number. Do you think that's where it is? I don't know. Uh, you know, th- those are estimates, right? And uh, the the people who come up with those estimates, uh, they do well in math. I presume I wasn't a very <laughs> sharp tack with it with the math when I was in high school. Gotcha, gotcha. So. But I mean that means uh, at three million. Yeah. That means eighty two hundred nineteen times today somebody's going to defend themselves with a gun and stop a crime. Well, yeah, and and I'd say again ninety nine point nine 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 zero percent of those a shot is never fired. Right. Uh, yeah. I I had a friend one time who was down. He was traveling in another state. There was an accident. Some guy went berserk at the accident. Went pounding on my friend's door. He just happened to have a forty four Magnum on the seat beside him. The guy saw the gun. He calmed down real quick and walked away. <laughs> the, 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 troop, the trooper shows up and he says, that guy said you drew a gun on him. And he said, no, I didn't draw a gun. My gun was just sitting here. I'm on my way back to the range. And the, the, you know what the cop said? He said, you know, firearms are a great deterrent to violence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I've, never, I've never forgotten that. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, not looking, they're not looking for a gunfight. They're looking for some sheep. When they roll yeah. up on the sheep and the sheep pull off their clothing and say, oh, no, I'm not a sheep. I'm a wolf, too. That, that, that's well, yeah. they, they become a track star. Listen, uh, I'm about to run out of time. Thank you for uh, first time Dave's been with me on Straight Talk. He's been with me Lock and Load. He's a very good collaborator. Senior editor at thegunmag.com and Liberty Park Press. He's the author of multiple books on the right to keep and bear arms. He is part of Second Amendment Foundation where he puts his head together with people like Alan Gottlieb and, uh, you know, all of these legal minds that go out there and do the hard lifting. And he calls the attention to it. And you can find a lot of his work at amoland.com as well. Thank you for joining us this morning, sir. 
You bet, Bill. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. I like Dave. Dave is uh, walking up on Dave. If, if you don't know Dave, you don't want to walk up on Dave. You don't want to walk up on Dave. Now, for those of you that are out there that are right now thinking the government has said, oh, Hamas, bad, they, they still know, they still think you're a domestic terrorist. So we'll, we'll cover that when we get back. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Ty Cobb was very fond of saying it ain't bragging if you can do it. And, and in the same vein, it's not paranoia or conspiracy theory if it's actually happening. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. And, uh, and uh, you know, the, the FBI is being outed. They have been outed. And, and listen, if they could do it, they would lock up half of America tomorrow. They would do if they could do it. But there's this guy, former FBI agent, Steve Friend, and he's going public with what he knows about the Bureau and the priorities of the Bureau. And uh, he said the FBI went to great lengths to track down every grandma and grandpa associated with January 6th. In the last two months, we have terrorist sympathizers waving the Palestinian flag and wearing a kiffy in our streets, and they do nothing. Now, one thing to remember about wearing, wearing the scarf, the black and white checkered scarf that is the symbol of Hamas, uh, is the same thing as wearing the colors of a bike gang or wearing the white robe of the KKK. It lets people know that they are there. And for some people, like the guys that got sh those guys that got shot in Vermont, two of them were wearing that when they got shot. Now, were they doing anything? No. But they were wearing that. And I would really love to know if there was some significance to that other than the fact that they were wearing it just because. Did it go with their shoes? Were they making a statement? Who are they associated with? But no, a Caucasian shot them. So that's they're going to ride. They're going to run with this one. Uh, friend was talking about the FBI. He said the FBI is wholly focused on targeting political conservatives and Christians for engaging in First Amendment protected activities. It is an intelligence gathering agency willing and able to inflict violence to deprive people of their freedom. The FBI is the KGB. So, for a very long time, there's been sort of a Stasi vibe coming out of the Biden DOJ. And, um, Why did that do that? Hang on a minute. Got signed back into something here. <laughs> I'll do that again. There we go. Now we're all where we need to be. Anyway, the domestic terrorist stuff that they're trying to force, that they're trying to, they're trying to make that happen in the same vein. They're trying to make electric cars happen, and uh, and uh, you know the the other things that go along with it, and. Uh, all that other stuff. But while they're doing it, they are impacting the nation, and they're letting other things slip. And one day, we may have to face that ourselves. 
And that's where the problem is going to come. Because then are they going to track us down for facing it ourselves? I don't have time to figure out it. I'm almost certain I'm a domestic terrorist. But, you know, while they're out there, you know, in the same vein that they're going after guns right now, right? They, they, look, at, they look at all of these Americans that have guns, and it's like Dave said, 99.99999% of us that owns these are never going to commit a crime with them. Never. Not even, uh, even if the ATF comes up with some rule, we're going to try to find a way to comply with that because we value the rights. And since they're always so hell-bent on taking them, we're always looking for ways to perpetuate them. And in the interim, until something happens that makes that happen, we are going to be reactive. We're going to have to be. Because every time we have something come up to where we could do something proactive, they throw, some, they throw something shiny out front for the American people to look at so that they can say, uh, well, look at this. Look what just happened. Now, the Democrats, the Marxists, okay, they permanently want to hang on to power. And it is absurd for them to think they can because – one, they have not gotten it the way most Marxists would gain power. They've got it with very little stress. They've got it with the culpability of a bunch of, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, not deep-thinking people. But this revelation coming from somebody that came from the inside, which is not, it's not... Um, it's not something that surprises me. It just simply, whenever you get out there and that corroborating scintilla pops out, that's when you sit back and look, okay, now that we know this, though, now that we have concrete evidence of this happening, what do we do about it? In the same vein that everybody's going, well, what are we going to do about elections? And that that that's going to take a little, a little bit of activism and a little bit of a... Personal, shall we say, personal, uh, personal involvement. That's about the best way to put it. Here's the thing. The government right now doesn't fear you. The government should fear you. It's healthy. It's healthy, healthy for them to look at you and say, I don't know how long they'll put up with this. And even our heroes that are in Congress and in the Senate and the House, even they do not know the depth to which this could go. They don't even consider it. There's some, there may be a handful of them, maybe a handful. But they've been so insulated in the D.C. bubble, they don't really know what's going on. So if they had more time to be back home amongst their constituents, maybe. But the... Uh, the FBI is no longer the FBI with Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. starring as a special agent in charge. They're not those guys anymore. They are the enemy of freedom. They are the enemy of liberty. They are the enemy of the Constitution. So that makes them my enemy. It should make them your enemy. When we get back, we're going to talk to investigative reporter Lee Williams, also from the Second Amendment Foundation. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.